Hello guys and welcome to the Big Screen Podcast. This is a very special episode today for many reasons. First of all, we have a new co-host. We are joined today by Theo Stokes. How are you, Theo? I'm good, not yourself? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm very pleased to have you on as the co-host. Um, it should be very exciting. You'll be joining us for the next ooh, three, three episodes to see out the year. And then wherever the future takes the podcast after that. But yeah, you join our very exciting time because since the last episode, we have launched on Apple Podcasts and we have got quite the following on there already. Quite a few reviews as well. So thank you guys for the five star reviews over there. Um, If you are an Apple or Spotify listener and you would like the visuals for this podcast, we don't have the cameras on right now. But we do have like overlays so you can see the scenes we're on about as we're talking about them. Then we are also available on YouTube and vice versa. If you're on YouTube or you want an audio-only experience, then we are available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and also Google Podcasts as of Wednesday last week. Uh, So all the links will be in the description for that. And I hope you enjoy this episode of the Day of the Doctor review, which is... A TV episode, I guess, but it also premiered on the big screen concurrently with the TV show as it aired in 2013. So that's a review for today. But again, Phil is here with us and also Cole Oakley. Cole, how about you? How are you? Uh, I'm good, thank you. Awesome. Yeah, so I'm basically, good. I'm just going to do a little catch up because, of course, we are all in the same uni course. And this is both your first times on the cast. So I'm intrigued to know, like, the whole point of this podcast is, what are your favorite movies? What kind of stuff do you enjoy? Uh, let's start with Fear first. Um, me, personally, um, anything sci-fi. Big fan of horror. Mm. But typically watch anything. I have a few cardinal sins. I haven't watched a few films I probably should have. Mm. So I'll be interested to see how that plays out in the long run. Mm. What, what would you say your favorite film of all time is? Favorite film? That's um. Oh, that's a tricky one. That one. Um, my voice just maybe that, that was awful. <laughs> your name, Rango. I was so confused that you said your name, and I was like, hmm, is there a movie called Will? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 2016 film anime. That's the yeah, one. I've, I've never seen that. I'm not a fan of anime, but by the looks of it, Cole has also watched this. So I'll move on to Cole. Cole, how about you? What are you into? Um, I'm into a wide variety of stuff. I watch many films. Um, I mainly like dramas. I'm into a lot of auteur cinema, like uh, Kubrick, Scorsese. Mm. And my favorite film of all time is a film called Whiplash. But um, yeah, I'll watch anything. I'm also a big fan of the films Theo has mentioned there. Yeah, my voice is absolutely dreadful today. If you can hear like a little gasp in the background when these two are talking, I I apologize sincerely because I don't know what's going on with my throat today. It's not usually I say that. But yes, that's very interesting. I have actually seen Whiplash. It's a great film. That's a great choice. But yeah, I'm not a fan of anime. So I haven't seen your choice here. But again, I've been encouraged to. I had uh, Dom on last week's episode. And effectively, we had a conversation after the episode for like an hour because me and him could talk for absolutely ages. And he actually proposed like, um, not a wedding bell, but an actual anime to watch for me. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm not into anime, so this could be very interesting. So, you know what, I will get into anime and I'll, I'll give it a go. Would you recommend to a non-anime fan? Is it a good introduction starting point? Your name? Um, I would say so. That was a good hopping on. I'd agree. Okay. 
I say it's a nice. very it's a very good entrance because it's not too um anime heavy in terms of mm. anime. Yeah, I'll give that a go. But as for today's episodes, we're reviewing the day of the Doctor, of course. Um, positives first, and then we'll go into the negatives because you know day of the Doctor is a great episode in my opinion. Anniversary special. This is the show's 50th anniversary. Now we're at the 58th anniversary. And it does not feel like it's been eight years since this episode aired. It feels like yesterday, to be honest with you. It feels like yesterday. I was just on like Twitter looking at all the excitement for the episode. And I remember being a 10-year-old kid and being really excited too. Because how did you guys get into Doctor Who? What was your first episode? Anyway. Do you want to start, Theo? Um, sure, I can start. Um, well, my dad um, was a big fan. He used to watch it when um, John Pertwee was the Doctor. So I kind of grew up knowing a little bit more about Old Who. And then as I got older, I started to watch, um, started from Christopher Eccleston and went across. So I started at the actual beginning of New Who. And mm. ever since then, I've just been watching it. I love it. It's on repeat all the time. I think you guys are just a few years older than me because I, I'm very young all I can remember is David Tennant's Regeneration episode, and before that, I would have been too young to remember. I'm only 18. I was, I was two years old. Actually, no, I was one year old. It's going on to two when Christopher Eccleston was the Doctor. But uh, yeah, I so was you started with Eccleston. Oh, uh, you were that age, but you kind of went back before you. Before I just remember um, my because my dad had the DVDs, so I remember when oh, I was okay. old enough to see all the spooky monsters. He was like, "Right, we're gonna start you properly," and he sat me down and started with Christopher. Mm. It's interesting that you say that because my nan is a Doctor Who fan as well. And she starts with, I believe, Patrick Troughton. Uh, so Ooh. she she started with Troughton. And then she didn't like Pertwee much, but she liked Tom Baker. And then as she got older, she really liked Matt Smith when he was cast. So, like, Matt Smith is her favourite Doctor. And she was the one who first introduced me to Doctor Who uh, with the end of time. She was like, Will, Will, come in. And it was just like this man on fire. And I was like, you know what? This show seems cool. I'm going to finish watching it. So what I did was before the 11th hour aired, I just went back to the Tenant era and then I fell in love uh, with the Matt Smith era. When it started, I was just like, this is exactly what I want from the show. And yeah, I love this show so much. Uh, how about you, Cole? Do you have the same kind of classic who link? Um, I am not familiar with any before Christopher Records and stuff. I started Last there. One. I think my first, I think first time i watched doctor who was with the 11th hour i did season five and then after season five i went back rewatched all the equestone and tenant tenant stuff and mm. i continued from there up to the capaldi era oh have you seen the whitaker era i have not no not a single episode i don't think i finished the last season of the um capaldi era either did you just uh, grow out was, of it or just lost interest? Uh, I did kind of grow out of it. It's Doctor Who is very nostalgic for me. I, I do remember losing quite a heavy amount of interest around the last season of the Matt Smith era and kind of around the beginning of the Capaldi era. But I think I stuck most of the Capaldi era out. So I'm you see, pretty... this is very interesting because, sorry for cutting you off, but um, I see a lot of people drop off after Capaldi left but like the viewership did go down after Smith left and then Capaldi came, but I've never seen a person or heard from a person who actually left between, well, not left, but kind of lost interest uh, between the Smith and Capaldi, even though the ratings did drop. So this is really intriguing. What, uh, did you just grow out of it or was like the story quality declining? There was definitely an element for me where I, I felt the budget decreasing and I, I kind of felt the stories. Becoming less interesting, less intense, less having like 
having their own stand i thought it got way too interconnected with itself um the stories were just getting very hard to follow for me and i didn't really have the same interest as i did but i felt that was a problem a lot before the capaldi era like i I felt this a lot in the last i think last two seasons with matt smith yeah so Mm. it's it's kind of been a thing that's been declining over time but it, it i just I think it just I the interest kind of died within the Capaldi era for me personally. Fair enough. Thank God yes. I invite you on to review Dear the Doctor as a person yes. called from fifty five. Oh <laughs> yes. Yeah, think so that's quite interesting, Cole, because my mother has the exact same attitude. As soon as Matt became the Doctor, she liked Matt, but the stories for her became way too connected, and and for her who she was a casual viewer. She didn't like popping in, say, the fifth episode in and then not understanding what's going on. So she mm. pr- pretty much left as soon as uh, season five pre- like finished. She was like, no, too confusing. I'm out. I don't I think actually, she would have liked Series 13 either. I love <laughs> season five. I think season five is like peak Doctor Who, personally. Um, yeah. my, my problems really start coming in with season seven. That's like the mm. that's like the season where I was like, oh, this is the writing is really declining here. And I was really struggling with it. Thing is, with Series 7, you still got like the classics like A Town Called Mercy, The Angels Take mm-hmm. Manhattan, The Snowmen, uh, while the other episodes, The Crimson Horror, Hyde, Cold War, The Name of the Doctor, Day of the Doctor, The Time of the Doctor. These are all Series 7 episodes, technically, and they're all episodes I, I love. So I do agree, though, with Series 7 because, well, we can talk about this because this is like the build up to Day of the Doctor. Series 7 was. A very hit or miss series. I think the positives outweigh the negatives, but it does have episodes like uh, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, The Power of Three, Nightmare in Silver, which I actually don't mind, but I realise it's like, like a very polarising episode while other ones are there. The Rings of Akaten, all generally weak episodes, so I can understand that, whereas with Series 6, you have far better quality, and the worst in Series 6 is like Night Terrace, which isn't even bad. Could you see anyone else play the War Doctor, or was he perfectly cast? Not a chance. Perfectly cast. I'm not gonna say perfectly cast, but very, very excellent choice I I will go with. Hmm. I'd agree. I think he had to be old just because the roughness that the War Doctor had to have. But it did have his, like, uh, you know, drawbacks because, again, in the episode of Day of the Doctor, he wasn't very maneuverable. He was just, like, sitting down or just standing still for a large part of the episode. And that's, like, not a problem because he was incredibly old. He's, like, been in war for so many years. So it kind of makes sense. But we should probably get into Day of the Doctor now because we are on a very tight uh, time schedule because we do have to go to university after this. So, uh, yeah. I'm going to start with the positives first. You can jump in at any time if you want to agree, disagree, or just like build upon one of my points. Would anyone like to go first, actually? Do you, either if you have a positive note that you would like to start with? I think she, the guest should go first. Yeah. Um, no pressure. Generally, the, the episode's really great. I think pay, pacing is pretty excellent. I think some of the Zygon stuff detracts a little for me. Mm. But but mostly, like the vast majority, I thoroughly enjoy. Yeah, we'll get to the Zygons especially because they are kind of pushed to the side eventually. And that is one of my negatives. But yeah, I completely agree. Great episodes. And 
first of all, it is an anniversary special, and it did have to have those little callbacks to the classic run. Uh, not only do we get a scene set at Cole Hill School, which we all know, unearthly child, that's where, you know, Susan was and studied when they were on Earth. Beautiful, Cole, I'm dude. guessing you haven't seen that episode, right? You haven't seen Unearthly Child, where it all started? Uh, I don't think so, no. Oh, man. Fair, you've seen Classic Hoover, right? Yeah. Interesting. What? So, what's your favorite uh, classic serial? I'm just really intrigued. Before I get onto this point about classic who, favorite classic story. Hmm. That's a that's a tricky one. That. Hmm. I have a soft spot for the brain of Morbius, Tom Baker. Interesting. Yeah. That's uh, where the Time of Children stuff started. God damn yeah. it. <laughs> I quite like the Visitors. I think it's by Peter Davison. That's a uh, I think a very the visitation. Um, visitation. Yes. Ah, yeah. Very I, that I thought it was solid, but nothing special. But yeah, I can understand. How about Remembrance of the Daleks? See, I haven't seen many of the Dalek ones because uh-huh. what I do is I've bought like a bunch of them. Mm. But now I'm starting to collect them all. And I'm probably about 50 off of getting all the DVDs. So as soon oh, as I get right. those, I'm just going to binge them all from start to finish. I've now had two co-hosts that are just like flexing their DVD collections on me. This is so unfair. I need to yeah. start holding these. I need. I, to start... I, got, I got to do it, man. Yeah, but again, in the digital age, I just like chuck on Redbox. I'm up to. I've rewatched. I've watched all, should I say? But I've got up to the um, John Pertwee era. My rewatch now. I'm up to like season nine yeah i think i'm up to mm. season nine and um i got the green death coming up i'm looking forward to that uh Actually, but yeah that's tomb of, the tomb of the cybermen that's my favorite that's a strong choice and I, uh, a lot of people would agree with you i won't give my opinions on that episode just to keep my feelings to myself because i'm not a fan of that episode but yeah <laughs> i know i'm the outlier there but there is got some issues but fair enough this is strong choice uh but yeah the clock face how on the exterior of the school shows the exact time the first ever episode aired. Um, it did make me curious. So I did a Google of Day of the Doctor Easter eggs. And then I saw like a terrific article that came up from the Geek Twins, uh, which lists 50 Easter eggs slash callbacks to the classic and modern run. And this is a deep dive, but uh, indulge me for a few moments. Just a few of them that I found particularly nice and interesting, though most I already didn't know to be fair. And I'm sure you guys did too. Uh, was the sign the police officer walks past at the start. It was, again, another reference to An Unearthly Child, the first ever episode. Likewise, with the Vortex Manipulator activation codes, which said the date and time the first ever episode aired as well. That was pretty cool to know. And if you do actually look at the numbers, it does say, like, uh, 23, 11, 63. And I was like, oh, I've never noticed that. Uh, the Oscar Scarf was a callback to the fourth Doctor episode, Robots. And there were also plenty of other callbacks to Classical Modern Who, but one final thing I did like was how the Doctor's phone number is still the same one that we see in the Stolen Earth. So yeah, there's loads of little callbacks, and whilst I'm sure we're aware of a lot of them, there are some more obscure ones that I haven't ventured into. So uh, if you guys have time after listening, I do think everyone should take a look at this article by the Geek Twins. It's really interesting, and it leads me on to a question. Did you guys notice any, like, neat little callbacks because there are a lot of them in this episode well there's obviously the intro which is yes probably the biggest callback in the in the thing very very well done Mm. 
and I do like how it kind of transitions from black and white to color. So it starts in black as the police officer walks past, and then as we get revealed to the school, it's all oh, its color. So yeah, that was a lovely transition. The first act of Smith dangling from the TARDIS over London was a great way to start such an epic and large scale story. It really sets the tone and it amazes me that they actually did suspend Smith to the TARDIS above ground, of course. Some scenes were obviously superimposed, but the actual climatic moment was indeed real, where he's like landing. And the line that always gets to me is when Kate tells Osgood, I don't think he can hear me when he's standing upside down. That never fails to make me laugh. How about you guys? Do you like the opening sequence? Uh, I th- I think it's slightly unnecessary, but it- it's good fun. It- it's pretty good at establishing the episode. It makes it kind of feel grand in scale. So mm. but, it was yeah. very nice seeing um, the credits, like the opening credits, when you see um, it says Matt Smith, David Tennant, John Hurt. Because I yeah. it's been a while since I've rewatched this episode and rewatching it last night. And first of all, I completely forgot about the um, William Hartnell intro at the beginning, so that was a nice surprise. But seeing mm. their names come up on the screen and then they also i don't know if you picked up on it but they added a bit of um david's era music over the like opening music when he's dangling over london did they? And that just for me just oh i i was in the i was ready to go my god man i i'd be interested to know if it was like a different variation that gold did specifically for this episode or if it was literally just a piece of music extracted from the tenant era because that, that's also very possible but you know Gold does like to, you know, add little variations. And so does second, to be fair to him, especially with the master theme. But um, yeah, I do agree with Cole actually here when he says it was a bit unnecessary. Like, it's the way I see it, it's meant to be like a fun episode. It's not meant to be taken too seriously because especially later on when 10 and 11 like meet up, uh, it's comedy genius. But any bit of seriousness is cut out by some comedy, which I would I wouldn't usually love. But again, it being a fun episode, it excels at it. Specifically, when Twen talks about the Queen being an alien duplicate in a serious manner, but then Eleven brings it back by mentioning the tongues and like, the venom sacks on the tongues. So yeah, this episode is not meant to be taken seriously. And I think if you were to like critique it as an episode of Doctor Who, just like on its own without the context of the anniversary, it's maybe like a 7 out of 10. But then it does kind of get a bump up when you consider it's an anniversary special and then you're a bit more lenient to all the quote-unquote fan wanker towards the end. Like the final 15 minutes is literally just fan service. But oh, I've got some things to say about the end here. You can jump straight to the end. We're not like chronological here. So, oh, yeah. no, but I'm, this is a negative. Oh, you know what? Go for it. Let's have some discourse. Where's I it? feel like I was mainly overwhelmed in this episode by just the fan service. And I feel mm-hmm. as though, because originally when we talked about this, I said that I didn't like it. I said that I've seen it so many times that I've grown to give it like a five. Out of yeah. 10. But since it's been probably, I'd say maybe even a year since I last watched it, watching it last night has bumped up my ratings. But looking back on it, it may just be because I haven't seen that fan service in a while. Because mm-hmm. I found myself pretty much the whole episode having goosebumps at the slightest like music change, the slightest little references. <laughs> And especially the ending where it's all 13. Like, I just remember watching that and just, ah, oh, being, I was like ready to see Capaldi. Mm. Like, then, like, when I first watched it, and then yesterday, I was like, oh, I want to see Capaldi, even though I know what he's like. If you yeah. drop. No, sir, all 13. You That's surely like that moment. That's a good moment. Yeah. Yeah, but you make a good point about like the fan service. But I do have to mention it now. A lot of people's criticism is that this episode doesn't do 
enough to like factor in like the classic doctors because we only really get to see the classic doctors until the final 10 15 minutes with like the archive version whatever which i understand but for a doctor who episode to be coherent and like stand up on its own it's gonna have like a threat and that's the pl uh, that's the point of the zygons i suppose because if you didn't have the zygons you could just have the three doctors like larking about but then you have to have a threat and it can't just be fan service but what people were trying to say is you hello um is he gone i think he's gone oh no that come off perfectly though mm -hmm. <laughs> like just about to go into a massive point and then just dead very very typical <laughs> just about to get into a heated debate and oh Yes, <laughs> I don't know if you guys can see, but he just come on. He just said in the chat, "Fuck." But yeah, should we just do you want to go in more of your thoughts until maybe he uh, he joins back? Yeah, I was just I was actually going to ask you. Um, so you said about the Zygons before. You have a problem with them? Um, I don't necessarily have a problem with the Zygons. It's more the utility. It's more like they get pushed forward in ways where I'd rather see other stuff. Like, um, I think I think the the Gallifrey stuff poses a lot of very interesting questions about what each doctor would kind of do and their attitude, uh, attitudes towards it. And I, I really liked the debate stuff, like when they're in the jail cell and they're talking about like the war doctor and the kind of person he is. And he kind of shows that like they're not too different from him in the decisions they've made. Like, I find all that stuff super interesting. And I feel like the Zygon stuff doesn't really add to that conversation. It's more just a plot that happens to be going on. Like obviously there are ties to the, to the stuff in Gallifrey. That 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 stuff is there. But I think I just think it could have done a bit more work, really flushing out like this incredibly difficult decision this Doctor needs like has made. I don't know. Yeah. So personally, I correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first time we've seen Zygons in New Who. Is yeah yes okay he's back yay so seeing the Zygons for like the first time in New Who and it for being I think with the tone because it was David it was a bit more funny with the whole like Queen Elizabeth stuff that I think the Zygons were almost the perfect villain I couldn't see any other like big I'm gonna say big villains of old Who in that role like I couldn't imagine like the Sea Devils or the Silurians mm. doing it it felt perfect that it was the Zygons because they're just yeah. enough weird but also a threat and mm. when and the horse reveal when <laughs> when it's revealed that the horse is a zygon and i when i first saw the design i was like oh that's that's sick that's a good mm. new who redesign for once mm. yeah i think the whole point actually was what you just said the whole point of like casting the zygons as the villain was that they're not like iconic villains but they're also not too obscure okay. so i know like in series seven ironically um the cold war episode with the ice warriors they weren't like standout villains. Moffat actually said to Gatiss, oh, you've got to do something to like reinvent the Ice Warriors for me to bring them back in like an interesting way. And then it eventually did and it eventually transformed. And Moffat took like a similar approach in this. It's like, we need a villain that's not too dalek here. You know what I mean? Because yeah. if it was just like mm. a Dalek, you could have a very good story actually, like Cole was saying about like the time war. Actually, that could have been good. You know, like a Dalek story with the Time War as the center front and like cut all the Zygon stuff. I am thought about that, but that could That's actually be really interesting. Story. Yeah, uh, it, it, yeah. It doesn't have to necessarily be something to do with Daleks. I just wanted it. I just wanted the the main story to have a bit more to do with 
the kind of narrative of just destroying Gallifrey, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I just wanted it to tie in a bit more and have kind of an emotional weight that may, that would kind of lead to the, the Doctor's final decision. Because how was it tied? It was tied with Queen Elizabeth, of course, and her Zygon. And it was also used to establish the Gallifrey Falls No More painting. Yeah. You know, like Time Lord Arts and whatever. But other than that, the Zygons were just, you know, there. What what was their plan? Like, they were to they're go into blood- a painting. Yeah. They, 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 they're they're just waiting kind of- for civilization to become good. Yeah. That's it wasn't really weak. It wasn't the and, best plan. <laughs> and it was actually one of my negatives. Like, it was a very small nitpick, but uh, towards the end where they do actually go into the painting, we only see one Zygon teleport into the painting, but none of the others, despite there being many there. And despite a bit of dialogue early in the episode where Eleven said specifically there were lots of somethings in the painting that had escaped. But then you only see one Zygon teleport into the painting towards the end. And then... Uh, we get all the explanation of like the Zygon and Queen Elizabeth's plot. So it did seem very quick. And you have to have a threat, like I said earlier, but I think it could have been substituted for the Daleks and have more like a Time War-centric episode because it does exactly what the end of Time did as well. This episode, it kind of talks about the Time War and this episode does delve into the Time War more than the end of Time does, but it still doesn't really explore anything. I can agree with that. I also agree yeah okay so um another one of my positives was it was nice to see a bit of the time war of course i think the cgi was pretty impressive actually and also the desert scenes with john hurt are also great i cry at the pan shot of the war doctor walking towards the barn for two reasons of course within the context of the episode it's beautiful but also because it's brought back in like a flash forward or back scene actually no it's a flash forward scene and the climatic scene in listen a story i absolutely love where Clara's underneath the Doctor's bed and he's talking about how he's going to return to that barn in the future. And I love that episode. So I love the scene. And whenever I watch this scene in Dare the Doctor, I just think, hey, let's listen. So yeah, I, I love that. Um, what do you guys think of listen? Very underrated. Agreed. Cole? Yeah, same. Okay. Uh, so yes, Temi in Eleven is comedy genius. Though there are some continuity issues with Matt's hair. I don't know if you guys noticed. Yeah, that. what was mm. the deal with that? It didn't look like David Tennant's normal hair at all. Oh, not David Tennant, but Matt's Wait, hair. Matt's like, hair. Oh. Yeah, yeah, hairs were a bit funky. Well, yeah, I think what with the, Tennant, the it hair wasn't was really weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah David wasn't as like poofy. It was more like down. It didn't look. It didn't look like the doctor's. Like, it didn't look like David's doctor. It looked weird. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't like gelled up. I have seen that kind of mentioned quite a few times. But with Matt, I'm surprised you guys didn't notice. It was like sometimes it was tucked into the fez and sometimes it was like hanging out of the fez. Mm. So it was like two yeah. different sequences shot, one with it in and one without it in. And it was like intercutting between the two. So that was very noticeable for me. But speaking about this scene, there's a parody video out there that I wish I could find again. But it's basically like a parody of Day of the Doctor. And basically they have a bowl of custard like in the 11th hour. And the parody doctors are like Sonic here, the custard to reverse the polarity. And one of them wails off the line, just like in Death of the Doctor, we're confusing the custard, which is an amazing moment. Mm. And I love that parody and I wish I could find it. If anyone out there knows what I'm on about, please do comment because I love that video so much. I have a feeling it's one of the Who Addict videos, but I, I, it could have been something else. Do you guys know what I'm on about? There's like a parody. I haven't heard that specific parody. Uh, it's so bloody funny. Uh, but yeah, 
talking about the Zygons, them replicating themselves reminded me of like the doppelgangers from the series six two-parter, an absolutely mm. and severely underrated classic. I'm just throwing it out there. I love that story. Mm. And the scene in the like the dungeon, I don't think, and this is a praise, massive praise actually for Matt Smith, because it would have been very easy for Tennant to outact him in this episode, and I don't think he allows him to, in terms of I don't think Smith like gets to the point where he's weaker than any of the others mm. and um the dungeon scene like really stands out as an excellent movement for smith's doctor because um it's like the oh no you really wouldn't i thought that was superb and the whole scene the tone of the music uh, especially when the war doctor asks, did you even count did you ever count the children oh. on gallifrey the music that plays during that is fabulous and about matt smith quickly there's a scene towards the start and the direction is a massive positive in this episode. I should have mentioned. Uh, I love the direction. But Matt Smith being broken down by the Gallifrey Force painting towards the star. The cutaways to the same framing of his face but to a black background were incredibly well done. Especially considering the sequence as a whole. With the moment where the Doctor holds Clara's hand to her asking if he's alright. Before we then get a twitch from Smith. A fire overlay and then we see the wall Doctor's eye. And then we get a wide shot of the Doctor alone in the room, showing the disassociation he is feeling at that moment, despite Clara being there with him. And I think he's just like extracts him from the moment, like the whole untapping the memories of the Wall Doctor. And I think Smith, Smith, this is one of Smith's best performance, I would say, like top 10 performances. Oh, okay. um, so I totally agree with you. I think the writing really puts Tennant and Matt Smith on the same level. One isn't really considered higher or better than the other they both really act to each other their kind of mannerisms all that everything in the dungeon scene has acted incredibly well like it's very clear like the intentions the um the kind of characteristics that is just very well executed the acting's fantastic mm. um yeah i agree with you the, mu- the the changing music is wonderful just the editing in general is really great throughout this it, it really does yeah. seem like they had lots of time with it it's it's very well cared there's nothing too jarring happening Mm. Uh, yeah i i totally agree with you pretty much yeah and just about that like they're on the same level there was a moment where i did criticize in the past but on a recent rewatch with luke my friend uh that criticism doesn't stand and what it was is now i really like the moment where tenant will talk about the plan on how to save gallifrey to clara like 11 doesn't need to say anything because it's his plan and he's reveling in the fact that the two are catching up with it it was a criticism before that smith didn't get a line in this moment but now it makes sense to me because he was the one who kind of came up with the idea on, oh, I can save Gallifrey, and the two kind of catch up. And yeah, I just love everything about this episode. There are some nitpicks, which I'm going to get to now. Uh, but before we do go into the negatives, is there any other like moments that you would like just to say are positives before we do get to the negatives and then wrap up? I think we said anything I wanted to say, pretty much. Um, I want to talk about a bit about the Billy Piper stuff and how that was yeah. used, because I think that's pretty interesting. Mm. Um, I, I liked her performance. I, I question writing-wise whether her role was was most utilized as well as it could have been. But I, I generally like her performance in it. Um, so I'll say that. Yeah, I think Billy. I was about to say Billy Eilish. Then no, Billy Piper. Uh, Billy Piper was particularly excellent again in that dungeon scene. Uh, she really captured like the ghost like essence, and I think that's just down to the tone of the episode as well. But she really feeds into that how the Doctor uh, Eleven and Tank couldn't see her, 
but then she, he's still having this conversation with her in the dungeon as they're arguing with each other and she's like there are you and i just thought oh. billy piper was very good but it does feed into one of my negatives actually we ever seen uh with her in towards the start i don't like the no more being repeated over and over again like it really irritates me it's meant to irritate the war doctor but it irritates me as a viewer too and i suppose that's the point but it still irritates me uh so yeah Ironically, you did say, Cole, that a lot of care have been taken into it. And I do agree. But there are a couple of production things that I do have a slight issue with. So, for example, the TARDIS crashing through the wall and into the Daleks towards the start looks bad. Like the Wall Doctor's TARDIS. Mm. It would have been better if it had also been rotating as it did this. Because it also means that the transition falls flat. Because we then see the TARDIS rotating in outer space straight after. And that was a very jarring cut, in my opinion. Okay. Um, and wouldn't the stone statues have been checked for the missing creatures? Like Kate said, the under gallery had been extensively searched, but not the tall things under cloths. Like, why did they even have cross over them in the first place? And why haven't they been checked? Especially for the stone dust to magically appear in that room. It feels a bit dumb. Mm. Did you guys notice that? Um, there were definitely inconsistencies in the story. I think when I meant like it was well thought, I, th- I think in terms of like writing dialogue between the characters, that that was done well. But yes. the, the general story itself is pretty messy, in my opinion. Yeah, I didn't mind the statues though. It, again, it is a nitpick, but I didn't really notice until Luke did mention to me. So yeah, it, it's not a huge problem. And again, I my only other... the reveal. Yeah, like the the reveal works absolutely. But like the, if you scrutinize the logic behind them being there in the first place, it does kind of fall flat. And then my only other negative was that the Zygons being teleported into the painting. And that wraps up my notes, really. Uh, so is there any other problems that I haven't covered that you guys would like to mention quickly now? Clara. Clara. Clara? Yeah. Clara. Just oh, not a man. lot going on there, is there? Yeah, she's a... Mm, it's, it's beginning of her fall for me. Mm, why? She's just kind of there. Uh, there I just, I just love Jenna Coleman. <laughs> I do she's too. She's a great actress. It's the right, it's the writing that's disappointing with her. But there was so much going on. But I, I don't know. Maybe just giving, giving her something a bit more to do. Perhaps, but she's the, the whole reason with her. Yeah, she's the whole reason why he changes his mind on the like the time war stuff on yeah. like destroying his own planet because I yeah. particularly love the moment where they have like the projection in the barn scene and she's like, Oh, these are the, all the people you're going to burn and then it's like, Do what you've always done, be a doctor. That's such fantastic writing in my opinion, and Clara gets to have that delivered to the doctor and but yeah. I just I just don't think it fit because she just really didn't hasn't had much stake in the story up to that point for me. And also the also, jump yeah. between the last episode where she like jumped into the timeline to save the doctor the previous lives and then she's just back at school teaching. <laughs> and I'm like, we kind of left on point A and we never addressed it. We just started at point B. That's actually a really good point, like the continuity there, because what did happen between the uh, the name of the doctor and the day of the doctor perhaps it, because it, it's never brought up again perhaps it was like a mind wipe they forgot about that because it, it might correct me if i'm wrong but that episode ends with them both jumping into the time stream you see the little montage of clara saving the doctor which i don't like and then mm. you get the reveal of john her being the war doctor and then the episode ends and i was like oh okay so they're gonna address how they got out of this like the tardis time stream basically and then it was like no she's just at school she's got a mobile now 
<laughs> and I and I hated that she can click her fingers and open the TARDIS door. The moment but, I saw her do that, I I sh- I couldn't. I don't like it. But isn't that a thing that was established in the two parts in series four that Moffat also wrote? Yeah, that you could open it with a snap of your fingers. But I th- always thought that was the Doctor. Only the Doctor could do that, and that's what my head canon was: is that because the TARDIS just knows the Doctor so well, and then mm. like the snap is that he can kind of do it. And then you but, see Carl on the motorbike snapping the doors open. I like, assumed ah. it was like a little like character building because in series 7B, you see Clara like really struggling with the TARDIS, like for him to get accustomed to each other. But then by the end of Hyde, when the TARDIS does like kind of accept her and they go off to save the Doctor, that's where it really shifts. And I think the TARDIS and Clara have like a really nice bond. And by that point, I think the TARDIS was absolutely accepted just, you know, being able to open the door because by that point they've had the development to establish that they kind of like each other now because it made a whole deal of that in the latter half of series seven so i get the point and before it was only established to be the doctor but then it was also established that sometimes the tardis can lock companions out even if they had like a key so it is very much a sentient being and i suppose it does pick and choose but i, I get the point but um i do think it is contextually there um, but yeah, anything else? Anything else? Anything else? Anything else? I think I'm. I think I'm good. I'm good too. I think. Okay, so we'll move on to the audience interaction section before we move on to our scores and conclusions. Uh, so there's not many reviews on Airboxed, but there are plenty of scores, and I will get into a review shortly because there is one or two here. Uh, so Theodore gave it. A, uh, uh, I won't get into that yet. Jack Burton gave it a five star. Mm. Ben gave it a four star. George Papa gave it a four and a half star. Matt Hall, also known as Matt Whedon, gave it a five star. A Bean Super gave it a three and a half star. Raymond Wallace gave it a three and a half star. Cole Oakley gave it a... <clears throat> Luke gave it a four star. And Dan gave it a four star. So yeah, not many five stars there, actually. That, that's very surprising. But yeah, and I'll go on to a review shortly. Matt Hall said, I slightly mad to think it's eight years since this special episode dominated television around the world. I exactly at the same time, thanks to the fact that it was cast, as well as being the first time the show was to screen in many cinemas. I watched this again last year when the first lockdown Who watch along happened, bringing the episode back into the headlines for the first time in eight years, and I enjoyed it as much then as I still do now. Watching it today, though, I found a new appreciation for it due to being able to watch it in its original format for the first time since broadcast. Allow me to explain. Oh, God, this is a deep dive. The original episode was broadcast in 1080i50, but for international markets and the cinematic release, it was converted to 1080 24 frames per second. And sadly, also the format on which it was released on the eventual Blu-ray release, of which there were two. Now, really, it doesn't make a whole lot of difference. The vast majority of people wouldn't really notice the differential between the original and the conversion, but the conversion features slow down and runs about 4% slower than the original version. It also features pitch correction to compensate. There's no doubt in my mind that the... Oh, I can't be bothered. It still comes as part of the 50th anniversary special Steelbook released this week, and it's absolutely the superior version. It looks better, sharper, and sounds better too, especially with the surround sound. I never got to see it in cinema, despite my best efforts at the time but with the lights down in my lounge it's pretty damn close and Matt of course gave it a 5 star so guess first as Fee said earlier how do you have a short conclusion and a score out of 5 
Um, in conclusion, I'd say it was very good for what it is. Uh, it kept a lot of people happy. Obviously, the fan service is there for fans who enjoy it. And I, I, overall, I think it's just a very entertaining story. The chemistry between the Doctors is like like pretty much all you could want with it. Uh, they both do excellent, like, uh, David Tennant and Matt Smith. Yeah, just, just really enjoyable. I'd give it like a 7. It has its inconsistencies and problems. Mm. But, so um, would that yeah. be like a 3.5 out of 7? That would be yeah. 3.5 stars. Minutes. Okay, awesome. Uh, so now, Theo? Um, overall, the episode, I think, is great, as long as you don't watch it every other day, like I was. Hmm. Uh, the fan service is prevalent. It's nice if you're a long-term fan, but it can get a bit bit old quite quick. And overall, just a great episode. I would give it a 4 stars interesting i think is masterfully plotted uh there's some great comedy i think the performances are superb from tenant and smith is he gone again oh no okay <laughs> okay that was a disaster hello At the right moment yeah it dropped out again so yeah uh the performances i think the zygons worked well enough even though they didn't have much to do they served the plot and i think the plot was very much focused on the doctors and the time war anyway so i don't think the zygons were a massive detriment to this episode and of course we did get it linked very heavily with the series 92 part so it's like a continuation on that which was established in this episode really cleverly actually because there was like a um a picture from the series 92 part of Clara in like the black jacket and the white shirt. That was, of course, her outfit in the series 92 part. So it made that established link, and I thought that was awesome. Uh, so yeah, the music was great, the fan service was uh, phenomenal. The final 15 minutes is sensational with all the doctors going there to see if Gallifrey and, of course, the reveal of the 13th doctor, uh, well, the eyebrows and the eyes of the 12th doctor, doctor, anyway. God, I said 13th doctor there. Well, no. Yeah, no, sir, or 13, I guess. So, yeah, technically the 13th Doctor. Um, That's a bad image in my head. I want to get that out of my head as soon Hmm. as possible. Uh, But, yeah, I gave it a four and a half star out of five. And I think it's a very good, if a bit flawed, episode of Doctor Who. It's very slight nitpicks for me in terms of problems. And I think the excellence it does show on screen does very much so compensate um, for the flaws. So yeah, that comes to a four out of five average. Uh, Carl, we need to give a round of applause to Theo for having the right opinion. Well done, Theo. Yeah, I came around. I came around. Well done, well done. Yeah, if you just came here and gave like a two point five, I may have had to kill you. That's fair <laughs> enough. I, I, I see my the errors of my ways. Yes. We didn't even talk about the curator. Damn. Oh, of course, the fourth Doctor was in here as well. And you had, like, the round doors on the wall behind them, which was meant to represent the TARDIS as well. Yeah, that that was a that great little sequence. Yeah. And then it was actually it provides a little handshake that Tom Baker and Smith did. It was like, oh, uh, congratulations. Oh, thank you very much. That was completely improvised, which is just a fact that I love to know. Uh, so, yeah, very good moment. But, yeah, that wraps up the Day of the Doctor review. Next week, me and Fia will be back and we'll be reviewing... Eternals, the latest MCU flick. Phil, briefly, what do you think of that film? I think it's good. Oh, dear lords, there are conflicts to be had. Best <laughs> luck with that one, boys. That one's yeah, rough. That, that, <laughs> that, that, that is for next week. 
Uh, we do have guests, George Papal and Joe Decon, who have returned from uh, several other reviews. We did a Doctor Who review on Doctor Who podcast, and we also did A New Hope, the Star Wars first film, and also June a few weeks ago. So they're coming back to review Eternals with us uh, next week. But for now, Cole, it was a pleasure. Thank you for taking time out of your day to come on, and I'll see you in university in an hour or two. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. No worries. The first guest under Theo as co-host. So yeah, that's a thing you can put on your CV. Thank uh, you. But yeah, <laughs> cheers, cheers for coming on, man. Cheers. Uh, so yeah, that wraps up today's episode. Thank you guys for listening. Again, Apple, Spotify, thank you guys for coming on and listening to our podcast because the the flux, <laughs> the flux that we've seen, the influx oh, of viewers oh. we've seen. I know, I know. Um, it's been sensational, and like you've joined at a really good time for you because this is the most popular the channel has ever been. So you know what? Yeah, good timing. But for now, see you guys in a bit. Peace out. Bye. Yeah.